welcome to the Mock Stars podcast. I am one of your hosts, Evan Kunai, and I'm here with my great friend, my best friend, Jordan oh. Garcia. What's up, dog? You're my best friend too. Oh. What up? No, <laughs> I didn't friggin- think I'd be crying on the podcast. We're five seconds in, you got to <laughs> tighten it up. Today we're talking about a few things. Well, notably, we got to shout out the fact that we're missing a homie. Oh, Ritter. Ritter's not with us today. A uh, few scheduling conflicts. I love saying that he's not with us. Like, like, it's like usually because he's on his he's on vacation and like he's like he's not right. His spirit is always with us in our heart forever, always will be. Amen. But he's just in a different location on the planet Earth. He's right a busy now. boy, and we're all busy boys. So you know, recording this on the off day. Yes, and it is so freaking hot. It is the first thing I want to like, talk about today. Very magic related. It's hot as fuck <laughs> right now. Uh, so yeah, bear with us. <laughs> Let's get into it. What are we talking about today? Well, before we talk about anything at all, if you would like to support the show, you can do so by one joining our poppin' Discord. Dude, can, it is popping off. You can find the description, hundred percent, the link in the description below, or you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. Hit the thumbs up like the video, subscribe there, and hit the bell for more notifications and uh, get alerts for when the episodes do drop. Or you can find us on all major podcasting platforms where you can subscribe to us there and be sure to leave a rating for the show on the podcast platform of your choice. Please. We also have a link tree in the description, which is a really nifty tool that so nifty, y'all. Yeah, it, it, it directs you to every single social media platform that we have as a podcast. It's like every link in one link. It's actually crazy. <sighs> That's my brain exploding. All right, on to today's topics. Yeah, dog. What are we talking about? We have a couple pregame actions. Oh, one in particular oh. that has been raising a bit of discussion in the Discord channel. Oh. And we also have our main topic, which is thank you next. Yes. Which is where we're going to be talking about cards that have been praised for so long. And we're going to raise a little bit of controversy and discuss whether or not they're outdated and they're ready to be shipped off into the sunset. Mm -hmm. We're coming for some top tier staples. And by top tier, I mean top tier tier garbage i've got three sticky notes here with a list of cards on each single every single don't one even challenge this man on a sticky notes but before that pre-game actions anyone? pre-game actions i i pass it's i'm going priority oh I'm okay first yeah yeah i'm second in turn order so uh i do have a pre-game action we're talking about such fucking dorks good the cedh decklist database yeah and a lot of contention i'm kind of surprised about how much chatter yeah, it does it does generate a lot of chatter because every player out there has a, an opinion right which you're more than entitled to and it just makes for a lot of controversy because you have seen these decks maybe out in the wild or, or maybe you haven't seen them out in the wild and you get your your cheeks clapped by a few decks and you're like why is this not on the decklist database like when i built zakama why the fuck was that not on the decklist database that shit was competitive as fuck Hey, sometimes getting your cheese claps is not always the worst thing, right? Happy Pride Month. <laughs> okay. Yes. Happy Pride Month. But there are a few decks on the de- <laughs> on the decklist database. Just straight faced. <laughs> that 
may or may not belong there. And so we just want to have this discussion to like really lay it out there flat. Like, are there like, leave your comments down, uh, like on the YouTube channel, let us know what you guys think too. But like, we're going to get into it. And there are just a few decks on there that don't belong anymore. Right. They, the metas have shifted and this is like, uh, an attempt, like the decklist database is an attempt to, uh, sort of build a hub where all of these decks from all around the world, all around the nation exist. So it's really hard to get a clear picture of any particular meta where, you know, you can particularly say that this deck list is the peak version or this deck list is a great version or a good guiding, you know, guiding margins. They're guiding margins for how you should build like Winoda or like in particular, the Sakashima Kodama list or whatever, you know, yes. like that's people one. rallying against that a little bit. Yeah. You know, and it's like, I do believe that any deck can be competitive and what necessarily like dictates what makes this list and what does not. Right. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, like we already have Sithis enchantments as a list on here, right? Like that's a pretty brand new card. Yes. I think it's a viable strategy, but it's definitely not like, uh, a usual one, a normal one that we're used to seeing. Right. So how are we saying already within six months of this card being printed, like this is now a meta tier deck. Oh, you're talking about, uh, Enchantress Sithis? Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Longer than six months? Yeah, it's been a while, but... I have no concept of time. Yeah, so Sithis is whenever you cast an enchantment, uh, you can draw... Or you may draw a card and gain one life. So, um, I think... Like, I see why it's good. I'm not coming coming for the deck, but I'm just like, it doesn't need to be on this database where we're like, we are net decking, like, essentially the meta of the every color spectrum. Like, is that really, like... I mean... too like i don't know like i've literally never played against a sithis list it doesn't mean they don't exist or it doesn't mean that they haven't topped or been on a top 16 like in a major tournament but i have seen about 29 kenrith lists and like at a single tournament right with not a single sithis or not a single tox roll or not a single you know this or that so like this is it's really hard to like look scroll through this list and really kind of give it um all of the credibility in the world I mean, yeah, bro, you go on here and there are six different Kenrith lists just on in this CDH database. So it's like the argument, like, I don't know what I don't know what your opinion is on it. And I'm not necessarily making a stance on it, but it's just like there is the big argument of it's. Yeah, it's a great resource for new people getting into this format. Right. And just like to me, it can be a little overwhelming looking at this stuff and like being like, okay, so Sithis is viable. I remember that from being a cash dude, but like I like Sarah Sanctum, that's a fun card. But then like then I get into Kenrith and I don't understand why there are seven iterations of Kenrith. And like it's yeah, I mean cuz it has a million directions. So there should be 49 or more iterations right. of Kenrith, right? But like yeah, but how does how does it goes I guess the concept of like who is curating the database and how do they they envision exactly what the database represents. Right. So I think of this um I can make I'm going to make the comparison. Y'all can agree or, or disagree. It's very similar, like you said, in the way that you, like this is a great place for people getting into CEDH to start or to get into competitive magic to start uh, at and just kind of look over a few lists and get a good idea of what like strategies and combos exist. And maybe that's what this tool is for. But I liken it to EDH Rec in the same way. It's where like if a brand new person comes to magic, 
I've I'm an experienced player. Like I don't need EDHREC to go on and like build a list or like to copy a list and print it off and, and test it out. Um, and, and now that I've been playing CDH enough, it's like, I don't need these lists to tell me exactly what's good, but you can use it as a tool to like come back to and then see like, am I missing something? Right. Like, you know, is there like that? I've done it on EDHREC a few times where like when I was building that dog shit, right. You know, deck or whatever nonsense <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was dog shit and you know it um but i, I had to go back to edh rec just to be like are there any cards that i'm just like missing here like yeah like it's helpful make, to or just so obvious through. that like my the rolodex that is my brain and how i categorize cards am i just missing something that's very obvious that's usually where like i find those little synergy cards that like you've never really heard of it or thought about it that much but it's like oh shit with this ability it just like goes off for some reason yeah, and so like the tool that I'm using now more than anything is the Eminence Tournament Results website because like that's actually showing me statistics. It's actually showing me results and I can like take individual lists crafted by individual players and it shows their nuances, their styles as players and sometimes they include a primer so you can like look and read and see but um, it, this in particular, while there are some primers, I don't weigh it as, or I don't carry as high of an opinion of that mm -hmm. as I do with the Eminence actual tournament results because, I mean, the list just doesn't show results. It just leads you to a Moxfield page that... Yeah. And then it's the Wild West. There's, number, there's no numbers. That, yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, honestly, I liken it to me being in my like middle school, high school days and just being like, you get an assignment, right? And... And I guess even college days, I'll be honest. You're a college boy now. Uh, I, you know, you go like I, Wikipedia first, like Wikipedia, and then you'll go out from there and get your resources, right? And you'll fine tune. You'll go get the textbook that, you know, you can get a little blurb that gets your teacher the little, oh, good job. You did it. But don't you fucking dare like use Wikipedia in your reference page. <laughs> right. No, because you're not a moron. You, you got a couple of fucking Ds. Um, but... I don't know how I got away with some of that shit. It was wild. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, it was it's similar to that concept. I liken this to like Wikipedia, right? Like, don't trust everything you read on the internet, kids. Oh, totally. Like, like great reference point, like Evan said. Great. Like, I reference it back all the time. Like, literally, I typed in CE and then it autofilled into my thing. So I go onto it plenty. Um, and that's just, you know, we're always brewing. And I always like to compare, like, like you said, usually I have kind of a an angle or something that I've been stewing on for a while in my head. And I kind of have that, that little package of cards built in my head. Like I know, cause I, that's the synergies and like the little fun stuff that I want to see in the deck. Then it's just like, for me, it's like, all right, well, there's a billion cards that already have to go in the deck. So it's like, I'll throw those in there and then kind of compare. Maybe I missed something. Maybe there's something that is synergistic with what I'm trying to do that I missed. Or maybe there's like, Oh fuck. I forgot. Like, you know, a card I just need to have or something like that, you know? Right. Like, I forgot the Veil of Summer because I never play green or something like that, but I should probably have Veil of Summer in the deck. There were, um, I was building that Kalia list, which um, is in the Discord server, so join the Discord. Yeah, we've been brewing up a storm. Uh, I built this Kalia list uh, for our buddy Kyle, and I was rolling God. through, and I realized I didn't put Enlightened Tutor in. Yo, for, for whatever reason, see, exactly shit like that. Where you know, like, oh, whoopsie. Oh, oh, there's no room for it now. <laughs> you know, like moving on. Yeah. Honestly, I'll say like when, especially when I'm doing, I'm that kind of like part of the deck refinement process is I love using the compare feature on Moxfield. 
So like that's a great time to go to the CDH database, grab the most generic fucking you know list, whatever it is, and then you know copy and paste it, compare it to yours that you've already built. Be like, all right, how many cards are different? Like, what am I doing? What are they doing differently? Should I reconsider? And then I like to kind of like toe to toe cards and see which side wins. Now for you know anybody out there who might not know what the the compare feature is, uh, can you describe that in detail? I mean. Yeah, so you like compare two decks. Oh, so yeah, on Moxfield, you just uh, copy the URL of one deck and then go to your deck, or it's even easier if you're comparing your own decks. Um, That sounds funny. Uh, You can just like literally go to the compare feature and then like bring out, drop down all your deck lists and stuff. It's kind of insane for me because I have over 100 and so it's insane to scroll through. So usually I just copy the URL. Yeah, lay your decks down side by side. Yeah, see which one's which one's a little bigger. Yeah, 100 percent better is what you meant. Better. Every deck should be the same size. Uh, yes, legally speaking. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Yes. I think that sort of like encaptures. It's our, Wikipedia our, for fucking CDH noobs. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, that sort of like wraps it all up in a night. Nice. Ties a nice Spark little bow notes. on top. Yeah. Um, so moving on, we are going into our main subject, which thank is. You. Thank you. Next. Thank you. Next. I wish we could play the song right now, but yeah. we'd get sued. Totally. Ariana would come for our hides. So. Well, actually, it doesn't sound that bad. <laughs> Jordan sort of said it earlier, and this is a perfect segue into this topic, but when you're building a deck, and this is where this whole argument or this whole conversation stems from, is when you build a deck and you are looking at these particular colors and they're just cards that have existed in these colors and have been deemed like staples for these colors right, for so long play it all the time that like they're auto includes literally there are even packages in moxfield for you know auto include cdh staples for x color yeah it, it, which is just nutty to me because you just look at it and you just go well some of these have aged out of competition or that the general game has sped up to a certain point where they're no longer viable or we're just hanging on to like certain cards way longer than we should be yeah like and so that kind of like stems this conversation we are going to talk about staples for colors that are either like outdated in their uh, in their function and their form do they do they still keep up with the meta or should we move on from them should we be taking them out of our decks could can they actually be taken out in favor of cards that fit your strategy like is it i I guess we talked about synergy all the yeah, time. Better. Like, yeah, better. It is better. And then on top of that, there are just so many new cards being printed that it's hard to imagine that at some point, one card will not, you know, outsize a card that, you know, before was like an auto-include. Yeah. Because now it's, you know, that 101st card. You got to cut it at some point when it just gets outpaced. And I think our first one to talk about, and Ritter is going to be so sad that he's not here. And he will probably chime in next week when he's back with us in the recording studio. Well, spoiler alert, we're talking about Lord of the Rings. Yes. He we're going to do excited. A, a set review. But he will definitely chime in on this one. The first card we're going to talk about is green. And you're going to note that a lot of these cards are green. But Sylvan Library. It's the big one we've been talking about, just you and I. And I also see it the most on our Discord and just on Reddit across the board. It's We talk about it a lot. If you're unaware what Sylvan Library is, it's an enchantment for one in a green that at the beginning of your draw step, you draw three cards and then you can choose to keep, uh, well, by paying four life, you can choose to keep 
the additional cards uh, for each of them or whatever. So you can pay up to eight life to keep two additional cards and you can put them back in any order if you choose not to keep them. So, I don't have the rules text right in front of me. so Something like that. <laughs> Look it up if you want. Um, yeah, I mean, we talked about it all the time. Like, you know, sometimes you just, the, the investment to wait to the next turn to get to the cards is kind of lame. Um, but, you know, you do get to get, dig three deep at the pretty hefty cost of eight life. That's not nothing in these longer games like we've been talking about with tons of fucking creatures running around. Literally 20% of your life total. Yeah. So, you know, you do that two upkeeps, six cards, 16 life. Yeah. And it it also uh, like stimulates this political discussion at the table where once you put Sylvan Library down, you are already chipping away at your life total. And now people understand that when you have Sylvan Library on the battlefield, your life total is cards, right? Yeah, like it translates. The, yeah, everybody looks at the black player for it. And all of a sudden they're like, oh yeah, that's a card. And then start swinging it. Yeah, it's like the same deal as Necropotence. Once you put it down, you pay the life, you refill your hand up to seven or whatever. Sylvan Library is not nearly as good as that, but it does like start to like players look around the table and they go, I'm going to punch him real quick because that means he gets probably one less card at the end of this game. Right, yeah. I mean... Just look at how much card draw white has gotten alone. That is just like auto includes if you're playing that. Now. Yeah, minus Tirith is is great for that land. Like coming out. With oh yeah, it's just like yeah. In, yeah, insane for card draw on a land with like no uh, restrictions. And then we have Esper Sentinel, Archivist of Agma. Like it's just crazy. Mm-hmm. And like Archivist of Agma is the same fucking mana as Sylvan Library. Esper Sentinel is one less mana. Guess what? Those are also both creatures, which is super hard to counter. Yeah, yeah, a lot harder to interact with, and they aren't permanents that... Uh, like, Dockside. Yeah. That, well, Esper Exactly. Well, yeah, Esper Sentinel does, but like Sylvan Library in particular can go... like As soon as you cast it and it sits on the field, it has to go all the way around the table before you start generating at least a little bit of value off of it. But by that time, the game happens... The game can happen so quickly, Correct. right? So if you don't lay the stacks down like turn one and then you play seven library turn two, it, there's a good chance that as it goes around the table, someone just drops a dockside on you before you've even generated value off of the Sylvan library. So- yeah, it's like this kind of card, just, it really makes me think of like when I first got into CDH, which was like right after the flash banning. And it was just four Thrasios partner decks all sitting at a pod with card draw engines and interaction and like fine playing a two hour game. Totally. Like, they're like, who can just, like, let me just get my, uh, you know, training grounds into Thrasios Pass, training grounds, Thrasios Pass, and do that over all over until somebody gets the seed board and and that person wins the game. Totally. Like, like in those games, Sylvan Library is fucking amazing. Um, but it's just a lot of the times you're going to feel like, great, I've gotten those three cards on the first one, right? I've made a pretty large, if you can make it to that, right? You, you make a pretty large leap in parity at the table for for that turn um but it's a pretty small window where you have to take advantage of it and i just feel like it's not quite enough gas for the investment of both time and mana to get you there because like i just feel like you go to that next turn and that that red deck that red black deck is just gonna like cut ahead of you totally there's little nuances like this this card sort of like it the more you the closer you look the worse it gets Correct. And so like when you look at it and you're like, okay, I'm going to pick up these three. I'm not paying the life. I've got the card I want, right? You have to put two back, which means you know exactly what the next two cards are going to be. We all know how bad a shitty brainstorm feels. 
Right. So you look at it and you're like, well, I'm only going to see the third card. I'm going to like if those first two cards aren't a shuffle your library effect or the card you picked right. up isn't a fetch land or something like that. You know, it's like, yeah, you're going to see those cards again. It doesn't offer you any card advantage. You might as well just be drawing a card, which then encourages you to pretty much pay the eight life every single upkeep. Exactly. So, yeah, there's that little bit of like an internal conflict there where it's like, am I just paying the four life and taking one and then I see two cards next turn? Or am I, you know, hopefully what I am picking up is a fetch land so I can shuffle it and give myself three fresh new cards to look at. Yeah, 100%. And I think... uh, In which case you're still spending a life to shuffle your library. So Yeah. And the other thing about those other draw engines I was talking about is like, you know, like Ristic Study, Mr. Kermora, and Esper Sentinel. They all provide a tax effect too that is like a pseudo stacks element to where people can pay it but that means you are you're shutting your turn off you are playing off curve intentionally and there's windows of opportunity with that like they don't pay the tax you draw i've lost off of not paying a rustic study like tax oh, before you know it's Tons like they pick up a force of will and then you're like fuck yeah and the thing is it's never just like a this is the hard and fast thing because there's a point where you know you need to make sure you're still in this game too so it's like there are sometimes where you have to cast into it and sometimes you can't cast into it and like mm-hmm. you need to know when that is and you know, different decks play that differently and play that situation out differently. Yeah. Everyone says don't feed the fish. There's no feeding the Sylvan Library. Like there's only it ingesting you and ingesting your life total as you get desperate. Like later in the game, you're just going to get more and more desperate if you are not breaking parity and you are not starting to at least generate a board state and generate value through that card. So I would I would like to uh, take a big leap here and I'd like to say thank you next to Sylvan Library. I'm still, well, Ritter would like to say that there is already a card to replace it. Is it Archivist of Agma? Because no. that's the card I'm suggesting. It's Miri's Guile. Miri's Guile is not that good. <laughs> it's not It's not amazing, but it does allow you to like rearrange cards and like pick up. You get to look three deep off one mana, right? Yes. I mean. You can shuffle the library, right? Yeah. You know, it. I, I don't think like if you're doing something with top deck, I guess. No, I don't think it's that good. Something that needs okay. to actually give you real card advantage. Cards in hand is what we're talking about. Yeah. And ultimately, the reason that I'm so hesitant to say thank you next isn't it's because I am a green player, right? That's who I am at my core. I'm ready to move on immediately. Yeah. Yeah. I know you are. Cut it out. <laughs> There's only four colors in magic. And, and it's not green. Green is not one of them. Well, I would uh, just like to, I mean, I know it's obviously not green, but I do think that like Archivist of Agma, like compare those two fucking cards, man. Like Archivist of Agma draws a lot of cards. Actually gains you a life too. And it gains you life and it's flash and it's creature and it's all the things like same mana too. Like to me, that just feels like a drag upgrade. Like in CDH where we play, you know, five color bullshit. Like you don't not worried about colors. You're just worried about card quality. For me, I, w- I would cut for that. Yeah, I'm still looking for that like lateral or night. I don't want a lateral like movement in this for this card, but I do want like an upgrade. And I'm still waiting for that in the enchantment slot. Like, I guess that's what I'm looking for is like green's answer to Ristic Study. Is is Sylvan Library supposed to be it? Like, is that just how we see it and how we view it? Right. But I mean, we look at it and we saw Sylvan Library get a reprint most recently with Dominaria Remastered. And we saw the price just plummet. Yep. Because it's no longer a necessary piece when people are building decks. And you can go on to TCG Player and they have great analytics there. You can see the price of a card over the past, you know, for its lifetime. And you can just see that like Sylvan Library just steadily just 
working in a downward trajectory. Yeah, two back-to-back reprints was enough to like pretty much kill it. Yeah. So, all right. That's enough on Sylvan Library. I think that's the, the one we're probably the most heated and passionate about, but who knows? We're still going through this fucking list. It's a green card, so it's fucking terrible. Moving on. I have a big one. Yeah, you do. What's up? Gamble. We're, gamble. Now we're in my territory. Yeah. Now we're in my neck of the woods. I'm ready to move on from gamble. You know what? You know what? Me too. I already cut it from my list before the tournament we went to. I did too. Already gone. I Fuck it. Well, there were so many times that gamble, like... Gam- it's a gamble, turns out. Yeah, yeah. It turns <laughs> out uh, when it's the last, you know, your top deck in top deck mode. And you oh, like I feel so cards. bad, brother. Yeah, you have two or three cards in hand and you're like, my chances are good. And it's like, no, they're oh. not. You're going to discard the, the thing you need. Um, no, gamble. I've, I've cut it from so many lists lately. It used to be an auto include. One red. We're getting mana. more tutors, especially because you play non-black decks most of the time. Right. So you're getting more tutors in your colors. Totally. Which is also great. Yeah, and, and I mostly play like if I'm playing red, I'm usually including green. Like that's just that's yeah. your vibe. Yep, that's what you do. So invasion of Ikoria comes in, gets a creature Boom. straight to the battlefield. Bingo bang. Most of these strategies, yeah, most of these strategies are creature focused. Yep. So, um, yeah, gamble is a really tough pill to swallow these days. Uh, it it on f- turn one, yes, there's a good chance it gets you a mana crypt or whatever. But, oh, uh, brother. It just feels fucking bad, though. And, like, I hate relying on it. And I just... I do this with, like, a lot of cards that are, like, staples. Is If it relies on me relying on... Luck. Luck or the table doing the right thing or the whatever X variable to happen, I just cut it immediately. I want cards I can rely on getting the value. Even if it is slightly less value than, like, the, the ceiling of the card that is asking you to take the chance... I don't want to fucking deal with it. You heard it here first, folks. Jordan only trusts himself. I only trust myself to play the game because I'm smarter than better than everybody else. Of course. <laughs> Obviously. Uh, not Do you want to? That's on record. That's not actually true. I don't feel that way. Okay. All. But uh, yeah, bro. Like I think that obviously Red Rakdos decks never going to cut it. Most Grixis decks are never going to cut it. I play Grixis and I cut it because like we have black, right? Like have you guys not seen how good the fucking tutors are in black? They're crazy. They're crazy good. Yeah. Uh, like, all of them are better than Gamble. So, like, in my head, it's almost like I would start considering it in non-black decks. It's uh, sorcery speed, too. So, it's like, if this mm-hmm. were, I mean, it would be really great at an instant. But if it were instant speed, that's when I would start considering it again, even though there is the the risk to it. Well, we've also been having the conversation separately of, like, maybe we can do a little few less tutors in the deck. Like we're just trying to up the card quality enough to where, you know, those top decks in the mid game really do make a difference. And, uh, like sometimes just having three tutors in hand and not that much mana because stacks is out or whatever just ain't it. Right. So I think that is sort of like, um, it's a great like start to like my core and why I move ready to move on from gamble Yeah, is because the redundancy for tutors in all of the decks that I play, like you're right. We end up with multiple tutors in our hands throughout the course of the game. And while that does like provide us limitless potential for what we could go search for, it's like, I would rather just have the card that I need in my hand rather than the tutor that, you know, barring whether or not it gets countered, 
or uh, I get oppo agent and like I've gotten shut out of so many games because I'm sitting there with like two tutors in my hand or yep. Eldritch Evolution or something. It's because oppo agent's super fucking good right now. It's really really good. Everybody likes to tutor the decks apparently. Yeah, yeah, and at the highest power of the, like of the game. Yes, of Ten course tutors do. in every deck. So. Like yes, I was on Academy Rector for a while, and I've I've taken that out of Shalai and Halar, and because I did have tutors for the win conditions with Shalai and Halar already, right? So like You're off the food chain, yeah, I'm off food chain, so I was using it to like tutor Heliod, and I'm like, well, am I just literally including Altar of Bone in here for just for Academy Rector? And yeah, 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 100%. yeah. like Eldritch Evolution is good enough on its own. Yep. And uh, collateral damage was used as an instant speed sack for a cutting rector. So now that I'm not on those lines, like, great. I just had like four slots open up. It's pretty huge when that happens. Deck. So yeah. now, now I'm really confused on what the deck looks like. Right. You know, it's like the core is still there, I guess. But how do I make the deck better? And by cutting gamble, I feel like I have made the deck better. Yeah, I feel that. And you said it before. It's just like, yeah, sure. The turn one. Great. Go get a mana crypt. Your odds are pretty fucking good. But... Like, like you said, every other two do you have in your hand and like when you're top decking in the late game and stuff like that, you you don't want to see that gamble. You don't want to see two cards in hand, top deck gamble. We're like two cards in hand, top deck Eladomer's call, top deck, you know, uh, Enlightened Tutor. Yeah. You know, but at the same time, those are also great turn one, turn two. And there are like little niche moments where gamble is amazing. Totally. Underworld Breach. Yeah. Underworld Breach. It's like, great. Okay. It doesn't matter. I have no cards in my hand. I'll gamble, throw whatever I need into the graveyard. Like, sweet. Right. Done. My greatest fear, however, is using Gamble the Tutor for Underworld Breach. I refuse to do it. Yeah. Because it's my only grave recursion in my Grixis list, usually. Yeah. That says a lot, too. It's just like, if you're tutoring and you need Underworld Breach to win the game, you are putting it in the hands of God. Literally. And that's determine. 100%. That's all you need to say for it to be out of my deck immediately. Yeah. Thank you. Fucking next. All right. That's uh, that captures my uh, all of my feelings on Gamble. Bye bye. Bye bye. Uh, bringing up an uh, I'll bring up a card. And I think it's another card that we value highly because it's a good turn one and not great later. And that's Gataxian probe. Yes. I get there's some upsides before everybody fucking freaks out and shits their pants. <laughs> Dude! Like, yes, seeing if a single player has interaction or win condition or X, Y, Z in their hand is great. I get it. Telepathy is, I guess, a valuable card. Sure. Um, Revelation. <laughs> um, and cantripping, I guess, for two life is pretty cool. I won't begrudge you that. You know, I saw the cast player in the tournament you know, he imp sealed and then paid two life and then essentially demonic tutored for one mana. Right. Like that's hot. That's cool. Yeah, 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 sure. But it's just like, we're all having a hard time finding slots in our deck these days, right? We have like 98 to 99 cards and there are some really cool, really good cards coming out every day. So we have to really ask ourselves, like we've been playing Gitaxian Pro for like seven years at this point. Is it still top 99 worthy like is it if you're in blue if you're in blue yeah i mean like is it top 99 worthy i guess is my question and like you know i would for me it's not i i would rather play cards that are more impactful and there's plenty of more cards at one mana that are more impactful yeah the only reason that i would consider playing it because i'm a totally different style of blue player is if one it's it helps stimulate the overall strategy of the deck because, you know, card quality density is kind of my focus, like when I'm building a deck or when I'm at least refining the strategy. 
And like when I'm playing it, I have it in Xerus, mm-hmm. which is an amazing deck. And if you haven't played against it, saddle up because I'm going to take you for a ride. Uh, you can join me on the uh, CEDH Discord on Thursday nights um, playing in the lounge. Yo. And you can see that deck live. Solid plug. Thank you. But I have built it to be an in- basically just hyper-focused towards getting Song of Creation out. Yep. Right? Oh, yeah. Storm? <laughs> yeah. If we're talking Storm, yeah, it's a different story. Right. So it does have its, like, same with Gamble. It has its niche moments where it's, like, really great when you're playing Kitten, right? It's two life oh, to get a Kitten trigger. Yeah. It just, we're talking, are these cards, like, staple-worthy of, like, the list that we, we all, you know, hold holy? Yeah. Like, sure, yeah, there are a lot of scenarios where, like, your strategy just warrants a completely different card set. But we're talking, like, just you look at the most disgusting inbred five-color deck, right? And that's, like, what that list is, you know, that's what we're questioning. Like, those cards, like, yeah. Gitaxian Probe in that deck. There's part of me that would rather play, like, Allosaurus Shepherd or something that just makes sure that something isn't going to be countered, like a, a permanent that stays on the field rather than playing this. You know, it's, like, great to get a look and get insight, but you're not seeing the whole table's hands. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you're seeing one player's hands and you're risking it all, basically just your judgment. You're making a judgment call based on the cards you see in one player's hand. Where, yeah. like, if I put something down that just says, you know, green spells you control cannot be countered or spells you control or I would rather play a silence. I would rather Bingo. play. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, exactly. Where 100%. I would rather just throw a silence out at my upkeep yes, sir. and just be like, okay. Like, oh, you already have Elsa Shepard and silence in your deck. Then don't put that fucking card in your deck. Put yeah. a better card in your deck. Yeah. What are you doing? Something that either is more explosive in its like intention where it like helps your strategy or provides better card draw. Yeah. Synergy or just a better higher value card piece speaking of having silence in your deck you're in white you could play archivist of ogma bingo bingo could and should be yeah okay so this is turning out to be an archivist archivist of ogma praise oh yeah i stand i stand archivist 100 Uh, i did buy those two borderless foils which are still sitting in my room see poppy how much are those now i have no idea probably not nearly as much as i paid for them that's true i think they dropped go buy them now yeah there you go. It's a rising card. The mock stars are talking about Not it. Not financial advice. <laughs> Good plug. Gotta say it. <laughs> All right. What else you got? Um, I have a few cards that um, are spicy because spicy. they definitely have staples in certain decks. Mm-hmm. But I think I'm ready to say thank you next to Jessica's will. Dude, you are speaking my language today. I yeah. even obviously we did not prepare together and I did not listen to half your list. I have private sticky notes. Yeah, these, these are fun little surprises for me. Yeah. Um I totally agree. I think again it's going to be the thing where it's like in the deck it's great in, it's fucking awesome. Yeah. But it is not in every single red deck in CDH. Like or should it should not be. No. I, I already cut it I've cut it from multiple lists lately. While, yeah, while it's great to have like your strategy revolve around your commander and to get like the peak like to get the most value you can get out of this, you need to control your commander. But a lot of commanders that can and should be playing this card are the ones that don't fucking care if like it benefits from it. You know, like you're playing Rograk, right? Mm-hmm. You're playing this. You're always getting it. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like you're playing Timna something, you know, Blue Farm or whatever. You can probably play it because you're probably going to control Timna and it just gives you more access to cards. You're playing Prosper. Great. I'm playing this. because oh, 100%. Yeah. You know, or... Um, now, if you're playing Obnixilis, 
I'm or I'm probably playing this. I'd probably play it. Yeah. But that's also, you know, your two color, your card your your available card pool of high card quality or have high quality cards is much lower. Yeah, your density goes very goes sentence. down because you lose access to things like Rhystic Study or whatever. Correct. You have to, you know, you have to make exceptions. Exceptions. Um yeah, bro, but it's like what are we using? Like, yeah, you got seven red mana. Great job. What are you going to spend that seven red mana on? Like sometimes you you just got the nuts and you exile, I don't know, a final fortune or whatever. Yeah, you, you know, the hope is that you hit something you can you can catch. Or yeah, a bunch of colorless spells. And I've had some sick ass Jessica's will. I like I won't say I haven't, but it's just like I've also had a lot of really shitty Jessica's wills where you just exile three cards that you want later and it ain't coming back. Yeah. And guess what? They all have blue and black and whatever pips that are not red. Yeah. And, um, you know, later in the game, you're looking at it and while well, early in the game, yes, it's great because you can just generate seven red mana and for decks like uh, anything that includes Dargo, it's great, right? Early in the game, you get the Jessica's will off. You're probably getting Dargo on right. turn one. But... Outside of that, you get to turn six, seven, or whatever. Nobody has seven cards in hand, and if they no. do, it's because they have a necropotence, and that's a very circumstantial thing you're relying on. Yeah, so, it's so sad. Yeah, oftentimes, I have not played it to as much success as you have. So, like, I just am, like, stuck with these memories of getting four mana off of it. You yeah, know, it's like I, I profit one, and I'm like, great, I should have just played Seething Song and moved on with my life. Literally, though. And because, like, we are always like looking at it of like the ceiling of you hit three sick ass cards and you get seven red mana. But a lot of times your commander's out, not out, because Dranith Magistrate is in every fucking deck. And then it's just like, okay, pay three mana, exile the top three cards of your library. That's what you just did at sorcery speed. Yeah. Like that feels fucking terrible. Yeah, and you can build around like other decks and just play like effects that make your opponents lose one life and then you might as well be playing like light up the stage because it just gives you for one right. mana, you know, like two cards, which is just a better rate in general. Yeah. So Yeah, it just quickly this card starts falling apart once you start not look not putting it in like the holy light, you know. Yeah. That I, of like what it could do. I think a lot of players see the game like that though. They see it in, oh, with rose colored glasses. Yeah. So and I'm right here to smack you back to reality, folks. Take them glasses off. Jessica's it looked will, terrible on you. While at one point it was expensive and it was wonderful for the format, it was a really great card. I just don't see, now that we've seen the way the game has developed and how, um, I don't know, metas have shifted, this doesn't feel as good as it used to be. To me, this, this is like Rakdos. This is, is it, you know, these kind of decks. I just don't think it's like a generic red deck. Krakashima loves this, yeah, right? Yeah, 100%. Just, it nets you infinite mana. Jerks off with it, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, absolutely. Gives you access to your whole library. Yeah. Great. Yeah, it literally does everything you could ever want. Yep. But it's like, it's again, it's one of those things. Like, sure, yeah, there's a specific build around where it just pops off. But I don't know. It doesn't go in every deck. Nope. Take it off the staples list. Thank you, next. Thank you, next. All right, let's see a few other ones that I have. You know, there are cards that have gotten reprints, and this is like sort of like where we began the discussion, that they've gotten reprints and their value has just tanked, where you can go on Card Kingdom or you can go on TCG Player and pick these up for like 50 cents, like Traverse the Outlands being one of them. It was an $18 five mana ramp spell in green that was just, you know, after I got the reprint in Baldur's Gate, people were just like, oh, so this is dog shit right now. It's not even good at all. I don't even know what the fuck you're talking about. Yeah, it's... Uh, search your library for X basic lands or X is the greatest power amongst creatures you control for five mana. So sometimes, you know, like in the casual game, people thought it was really great. It's a terrible card. But 
It's awful, right? It's a terrible cover. Yeah, once it got reprinted, it really shed a really crazy light on it. Shame so on you guys. I'm sitting on four borderless foils that I spent $2 Ooh. a piece on. Ouch. Thinking like, ah, you know, I'll get my money back. Nope. Actually, no. <laughs> For $2 a piece, I did not. I lost money. Disgusting. So, um, Vidalcan Ori is another card. I think it's been dead for a while, but it's another one of those that got a reprint and is now less than five dollars. Yeah, it is insane. Like one, how much of like I I would call it like the OG card pool. You know, like it was already around pre five years ago. You know, stuff like that. And like that's not necessarily a huge CDH card, but like the second a reprint comes out, these cards just never reach even close to what they used to right. be. Exploration, another card. Yep. Got a reprint. Tank. Tanked. Tanked. Um, there's another card that's waiting for a meaningful reprint. And so if you have any copies of burgeoning, sell it. How much is that going for? It's like 18 to 20 bucks. Damn. So like the thing is that it hasn't had a meaningful reprint. I so got a Japanese burgeoning hit me up. $75. Yeah. $75. I have a few of those secret layer ones. If you want them, just hit me up. I also have four borderless foil traverse the outlet. <laughs> $75. Um, but the next card that I want really want to bring up is birthing pod. Birthing pod. This is spicy. This is spicy because it basically, if you're building your deck properly, it, one birthing pod activation means you're going for Kiki Jiki and you win the game. One activation, you win. Yes. Yeah. So where could we go wrong? Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll just say straight up since we're calling out the whole line a little bit. I've never been a big fan of these kind of lines because of the card quality you have to put in your deck you know that's a big thing we talk about all the time is you have to put tons of specific cards that you tutor out that you can just draw throughout the game and that kind of makes a lot of issues um same thing with hulk piles you know like i don't like hulk piles that or hulk decks rather that put a ton of piles in their in their list you know where it's just like you know i have seven to eight different cards i can grab and it's like that sounds terrible yeah right <laughs> where you're just like well what if you pick one up yeah you know it's like you will yeah <laughs> you definitely will the, the odds are stacked against you my friend right i don't want to just know? be the guy you're like okay i have hulk and i have like all five of one half of the a's and to my b's you know and like yeah i, I don't want to be that guy you pick up one felidar guardian and Oops. Yeah. Like the whole strategy for that, you know, next time, you know, and then you pick up fellow or you pick up birthing pod next and you're just like, God, could my day get much worse? Yeah. hundred percent. Like it's like I play divergent transformations and then my first fucking draw is like one of my two creatures I need to go. And I'm like, well, I just lost that game. That's great. Yeah. Um, Which so, is, you know, the fragility of those. hundred percent. And yeah. that's the why that's the only type of deck. I play one of those and I yeah. accept what I'm my fate when I do that. Um, granted, you know, when you're playing these like birthing pod lines, a lot of times you have alternative wind conditions and stuff like that. Um, I am definitely cooling on it though, for sure. I think we're even moving on. I, I barely see it. I don't see it in tournaments much at all. Um, and you know, I think part of it we were talking is like the prevalence of stacks. It's literally in every deck, like value stacks is a thing, you know, any deck with white, any five color deck can scramble for one generic and a white for a Dranith Magistrate. One and a green for a Collector Oof if they're not on rocks. I mean, Graph Digger's Cage is becoming more prevalent. 100%. You know, yeah. Containment Priest is becoming more prevalent. So yes. all these little pieces, Lavinia is becoming more prevalent. You know, so all of these little pieces that are just really going to fuck your day up, you know, like that they just play generically, I want to say, like just as value stack pieces. I got, a, I got room for that slot. I'll put that right there. Um, and then it's just like, that just ruins your whole deck. That's over now. Yeah. You're done. Yep. Yeah. And you're just sitting there and you're like, well, I'm kind of 
turbo, you know, like I'm turbo oriented. And the thing about Cash Cards Unlimited, the most recent tournament, which shout out the uh, Teferi player won again. Yo, yeah, we got to talk about this with Chris on next week. Yeah, this totally. is absolutely baffling to me that this happened. But I was looking through the top 16 lists and I noticed that there was one or two stacks list amongst the top 16, but there was only one Rocco list and they were playing Birthing Pod. And I just think that's such a risky line to walk because of how flexible Rocco mm. can actually be. Totally. I feel like it. Well, you know, Rocco does. Rocco literally is three mana. So it does like translate yeah. into Felidar Guardian, into Kiki Jiki. And then the line is just set. It's, it, it is the smoothest pod deck right and but it's also it can play that i think because it has a lot of alternatives you know yes. it, it, a lot of them play the vivian lines too that do the same thing but then there's also just lots of alternatives outside of that mm-hmm. um they just have ways to fucking win with that deck all of the time yeah and it almost feels like you could have like that player maybe they did win with birthing pot at one point but like it does feel like you could have slotted that out or someone could slot that out in place of uh, you know, something that's going to get you closer or refine that Vivian line or, you know, yeah. something like that. Like, are you so. seeing oofs at every table? Yeah, easy. Just slot it out. Slot it out. Right. Uh, put in, you know, something to kill the oof or like some sort of like removal. Yeah. You know, I think that's uh, also something that people aren't playing enough of for these decks to like help. Maybe these cards would actually, you know, some of them would be better had people just slotted in more single target removal. Right? So are you saying that this is the thank you next card or are we, are we just saying thank you? Oh man, I don't know. We it's, got we got our it, eyes on you. Yeah, I think our eyes are on this one. That I'm ready. Like I like like they've been on Sylvan Library for a while. Yeah, you know, it's just like ready. You got to be able to pull the trigger on it. I already pulled the trigger on Sylvan Library. It's dead. Yeah, it's dead to you. It's dead, to everybody. It's not dead to me yet. I mean, it is. It it's you just very except fate. Yeah, I'm just holding this like just play Archivist of Agma, bro. You're fine. Rotting corpse of Sylvan Library in my arms. Yeah, sobbing. You're. Sixty dollars Sylvan Library that you ever see costs you ever, fifteen. Yeah, you ever play The Last of Us? Yeah, you know Joel. Of course, and his, his of course. yeah. yeah. That's Spoiler right alert. Now. Yeah, from two thousand eight. I didn't spoil anything and say anything. It's just and his daughter, bro. Come well, on, we're talking so people didn't hear that part. Now, so you jeez. Just <laughs> we should probably right. we should probably wrap this up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I, I'm pretty surprised at how long we were able to talk. Uh, one <laughs> time out. Time out. We were one really more, good at talking more. for a long time. I got one more. And this is one that is either underrated or overrated. We're not saying thank you next to it because it has yet to see the true spotlight. We're switching up the whole paradigm on the last one. Let's go. Let's go. But it's because some people have said thank you next to it. Okay. I don't feel like it has been given the proper light. And? Mangara the Diplomat. I agree. Like, I just don't think it's... It's never been in the light to have been like moved on from. Right. And it's never, it's underrated. But it's been out for so long that no one has stumbled on it. No one has like put it in as a general piece of value. Maybe just because it's four mana. Like, I don't know. Well, maybe we should start start talking, have a whole different episode about underrated cards because now I was just about to start naming six other cards that have not gotten their time in the light. Yeah. Um, But I will say on that, I think Magar's fucking lit, dude. He's white crumb. Yeah. Like, that's. Common white, hello? Potentially more, too, because he's yeah. a 2 4 lifelink that also, when someone attacks you with two or more creatures, you also draw a card. Like, that doesn't seem bad at all. Yeah. That seems pretty fucking good. Does seem good. Yeah. Never see it. I've never seen it. So thank you, Mangara, for being there, but never being noticed. You will get there. Thank you, and you're next. You're next. Bingo. Yes. And then, bingo, bango. Yeah. You have to be next in order for us to say thank you next, right? 
Correct. So yeah, we'll put you, you on a pedestal. There. We'll get you the spotlight, and then we'll kick you out, like a true magic player does. Yeah, someone who grows with the game, like a pageant mom. <laughs> All right, that's enough for this episode. I th- I think. Thanks for listening. Thank you guys for listening to the Mock Stars podcast. Yo. If you would like to support the show. You can find our link tree in the description below. It's a nifty little tool. It'll show you all of our social media platforms. And you can also find us on YouTube. Subscribe, like, and hit that bell for more notifications. Get the, uh, you know, for when new episodes come out, when you get to listen to us talk about magic. You know you love listening to us talk. And Chris will be here next time. Yeah. Or you can find us on most podcast platforms. And you can find us by searching Mockstars MTG. And if you do follow us on there, be sure to rate the podcast with a big old five stars. Hey, uh, yeah, come say hi on the Discord. And gameplay videos coming soon. Peace. Spoiler alert.